We're going to be um, in a number of different places. And so mostly in your outline, we spent time just uh, putting the references in there so you can write your own notes as you want to from it because there's quite a few places that we were going to be. And you can see those references, turn to them, or just look up on the screen if you like. I saw this on Facebook this week, this nice little story. It said, I rear-ended a car this morning. So there we both were on the side of the road, and slowly the other driver got out of his car. You know how sometimes you get so stressed and little things just seem funny? Yeah, well, I, I couldn't believe it. He was a dwarf. He stormed over to my car, looked up at me, and shouted, I am not happy. So I looked down at him and said, well, then which one are you? And that's when the fight started. <laughs> Sometimes we just go about things in the wrong way. And the end result is not quite what we would have wanted to happen. We kind of broke away from our series, uh, and we, we said, that, said last week, maybe we'll just call this another part of the series, and... and we just broke it off, and it called this the laws of increase. A lot of the same things as the law of prosperity. Uh, Brother Hagan used to always teach on these things. Uh, I've heard it re rephrased into this, the law of increase, and I actually like that better. So technically, this is our third week on this. And if you uh, missed the first two or just want to refresh them, they're up on the Internet for you to, to go over and to listen to. But it's important that we understand how the laws of increase work because a lot of times we are doing things for the purpose of increase, but we're not following God's laws. We're messing up the way that he set it out, and we're wondering why the end result isn't quite what we wanted. We don't spend a whole lot of time on the normal te the, the, the teaching aspect of the church here on giving, on finances, because every Sunday... We spend time at the offering going over these things. We have different ones that are, take up this, this calling, and we appreciate their diligence in that. But sometimes we just need to come on back to the Word and, and look at some of these things that it tells us about. Last week, we looked at the book of Joshua in chapter 7 and how the children of Israel went out after the, the, the village or city of Ai and how they lost in that battle simply because certain ones from their group had taken of the accursed things. And the same terminology that is used for that is used for the tithe, is used for the part of our income that belongs to God. We looked at the difference, just mentioned anyway, the difference between the bringing of the offering or bringing of the tithe and the sowing of offerings. There is a difference. They are not the same. We need to understand that they are different because too often we treat them as the same. But right now we're going to take a look at the tithe, what it is, what its purpose is, because there's a lot of things we've gotten messed up on the tithe. We haven't quite followed after what God has, has said on this, and that's why we're not seeing the results in it. We looked a little bit last week at what the results are for those who tithe, and I'll tell you what, the results are great, and it's good to have that in your life. We put it in your um, uh, outline last time, and I just want to reiterate this. To fail in the principle of tithing does not mean... God will take from me 
It just means that he cannot help me the way that he wants to against the enemy. Because sometimes the way we have allowed tithing to get into our mentality, it's almost like paying off the mob. Well, I didn't pay my tithe, so something bad could happen to me. No, God does not come after you. He does not come after your finances ever. That's not his purpose. That's not what he does. If you don't tithe, God is not your enemy. The thing is, there is an enemy who's coming about trying to steal from us, who's trying to take from us, and God says, I want to defend you from that. So if you'll do what I say in the Word, you open up the door for me to do this. We saw last week that the Scripture in Psalm 115, verse 12, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord. So basically he's saying he will bless those that are in Israel. He will bless those that are in ministry. And he will bless those both small and great. If you didn't find yourself in the first two of those lists, certainly you can find yourself in the third one. He will bless you. God's purpose is to bless you. God's purpose is not to take from you. That's not what God wants to do. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord for, from this time forth and ever, forevermore. Praise the Lord. As long as you're alive here on the earth, be praising the Lord. But don't be blaming him for things that are not blessings. That's not what he does. Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So your barns will be filled with plenty. One of the purposes of tithing, one of the purposes of honoring the Lord with, your, with the first fruits of your increase, with the tenth of all that you have, one of the purposes of it is so that your barns will be full. When you get home today, I want you to go home, go in the front door, and go out the back door. I want you to look into the backyard. How many of you have a barn? All right, if we don't have a barn, how is God going to fill it with increase? When the woman had the oil, how was she supposed to fill something with increase? She had to have what? Containers. One of the things we'll get into in this series is what do I do about the barn? If God wants to increase, if God wants to fill your barns full, then we have to have something for him to fill. Right? Too often... Christians want to be increased, but have no capacity to hold it. You have got to get your capacity ready. Well, when a time comes, I'm sure I'll have to know. When the woman went into her room or house and closed the door, we looked at that story in the, sort of this series, but the previous one. What did she have in the house with her when she closed the door? Empty vessels. What did God do with the empty vessels? Filled them up. When, they had, when we had the feeding of the 4,000, what did they take up at the end? Baskets full of fragments. When they, filled the, when they fed the 5,000, what did they take up at the end? Baskets full of fragments. 
I want you to understand what that means. That means the disciples gathered together with the multitudes in a place where the most they could find on the food end was a few fish and some bread. But apparently, they had baskets. What condition were the baskets in? They had to have been empty. What condition did they go away in? Full. Where are your baskets? Now, we're not getting into that today. <laughs> that's, what's co that's coming up. I really appreciate your comments last time. On the way out the door, some of you folks were making some comments and some things and some questions you had. And I'll tell you what, that, just, that's, that was great. I really enjoyed hearing that. The previous series we had, I hardly got any comments. And yet, of all the things we've done in the last five years, I learned more from it than any. I learned. I learned too. I expect God to teach me so I can come in here and teach you. I learned more from that series than any series I've done here at least in the last five years. And I'll tell you what, I hardly got any comments on it at all. So I don't know if anybody else was learning but me. But I learned some things. And I appreciate God teaching me some stuff. Hope you all do too. But I appreciate your comments. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate, I like to learn that, but what about this area over here? Well, I don't know how to get into something if you don't say something. So we got all kinds of ways that you can do it. I, I uh, put it somewhere. I don't know if it's in the bulletin or where I put it, but it's in the bulletin. Thank you very much for someone who reads the bulletin. <laughs> I do like that too. But, you know, you can, you can write down on a note. You can send me an email. You can Facebook me, or I put it in there. You can also do the old-fashioned method and just talk to me face-to-face. -face. That still works. But I'd like to hear what it is. What, what is it that you need to learn on an area of finance? Because we all deal with finances. We all deal with finance. We're all dealing with money. And if you want to say, well, I don't want God to touch my money, you're lying. We all want money to increase. If your job, if your boss came to you and said, I want to give you a raise, no, I don't need one. If your boss came to you and said, I want to give you a bonus, what would you say? I'm doing fine. I don't need a bonus. Give it to somebody else. No? What would you say? Yes. I receive that. <laughs> Glory to God. Genesis chapter 14. First instance of tithing we have here, recorded in the Word of God. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. This is probably not the first time that someone has brought a tithe. But it's the first time the Word of God has a tithe being called a tithe and brought to a priest. Hebrews chapter 7 gets into this in a way that we're not going to get into today. But if you want to go home and do some reading, you can go over and read Hebrews chapter 7 and see what it has to say about Melchizedek and this gift that Abram brings. But go over to Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is dedicated to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. We've said it before, but God considers money to be the least valuable thing that he can test someone with as to their trustworthiness. So God gives to everyone money for the purpose of seeing what will you do with it. When we receive that, because we receive all of it, and he expects us to take the 10% that he's called his and give it back. 
He does not act like the government who usurps it before you get it. He gives it to you and lets you bring it to him as an act of obedience. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. What this basically means is if you say, you know what, I am really tight this month and I just can't afford. I need it all, but I'm going to bring it all back to God. God says, all right, if you want to do that, go ahead, but add 20% to it. Is what he's saying. And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not be redeemed. So don't do it. Basically what he's saying. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God is, your fathers has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispose, dispose to serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. What he's saying is when you come into the land, the land that I have called you to, the land that I have given you, the land that I'm going to bless you in, when you come into that land, you're going to come into a group of people who have worshipped foreign gods. You need to take everything that they used and burn it. Get rid of it. Because the way that people worship idols is not the way you worship me. And you will get rid of every bit of it. Now, the temptation would be to come in and say, oh, this is such a beautiful building they used to worship some God. What if we used it for God? Because, you know, we already have the beautiful building. It already looks nice. Why don't we just use this building for God instead of burning it? But what does God say? Get rid of it. I don't want a house that someone else has been worshipped in. You're going to build me new ones. Oh, but God, that's so wasteful. We just, we want to be a good steward with the things that we have. No, being a good steward means being obedient. God says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. He's telling them right now, I'm going to pick a place. Out of all your tribes, I am going to pick a place. Haven't picked it yet, but I'm going to pick a place. And when I pick that place, that's where you are going to go. What was the place he picked? Oh, come on, you all know it. Jerusalem is the place where he picked. Melchizedek was the high priest of the same area. Melchizedek, Melchizedek was the high priest over what city? Salem. Mm-hmm. He's there at the same spot. He says, I'm going to pick a spot and I'm going to... That's where I'm going to be. And no matter where you live in the nation, this is where you come to worship. Now, if you think that was awful hard of God to make them travel all the way across the nation, I want you to get the idea that Israel is about the size of New Jersey. So it's not that big. It's not like you've got to make the trek from California to New York. It's just not that big. It's a small little, little spot. Everybody keeps fighting over. 
There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offering of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your household, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. This is really important to remember because the church of today has forgotten this principle. Over and over and over, church after church, I have seen, not all churches, not saying every single church, but a number of churches, a number of Christian people have forgotten what has been said here. You shall not do as you are doing right now in that every man does what is right in his own eyes. Remember that. We're going to get back to it. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. So right now, I don't have a place designated. So you have an offering, you bring it to wherever you want to, and you just go ahead and do that. But it's not going to be that way. There's going to come a day. I'm going to pick a place, and in that place, that's what you are to do. Remember this. This is really important. In order for them to walk in the blessing of God... They needed to bring the tithe, bring the offering, bring all the different things they were supposed to bring to the place that God designated and not do as they were doing then, every man doing what's right in his own eyes. So God has called them, as he has us, to bring that tenth, that tenth part to God. And when you do it, there's a blessing that is on it. There's a different blessing on the offerings that we sow. But there is a blessing on the tithe. If you are one who tithes, and we have a whole church full of people who tithe, and we thank God for that. But if you are a person who tithes, there is a blessing associated with that. If you have chosen not to tithe, God is not after you. But God is desirous that he is able to work for you. We've heard it very often when we, have, we take prayer requests for unsaved people. There are certain things that you can pray for for unsaved people. One of those things is healing. Jesus all the time prayed for people whether they were saved, whether they were not saved. Didn't make any difference. He prayed for them for them to be healed. But finances, you go through the word of God and you find one time where God prayed for the finances of someone who was not serving him. It's not how it goes. Our heart moves on those people and we say, oh god certainly must be moved like we are moved and oh god you know help this person they're they're on the brink of of failure please help this person oh they don't tithe they don't bring offerings they don't even go to church they don't listen to god how is what open door have they given god to work in their finances he hasn't we need to uh, realize there needs to be an open door when peter and john came to the beautiful gate and they found the lame man there what did the lame man give them? An open door. When they saw that he expected to receive, what? Something. 
Hmm. They seized on that moment. There's an open door. There's a thing that well, we can do. Now, here is a tactic of the enemy. We've gone over this before with the parable of the sower and other places. There are tactics of the enemy. That one of the tactics of the enemy is to come in and to corrupt the command of God and the purpose for which God gave the command. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3. When the snake, when the serpent came up to Eve and said, has God said you can eat of all the trees of the garden? And the woman said, we can eat from all the trees in the garden except this one, the knowledge of good and evil. And what does the devil do? Thou shalt not surely die. The enemy has always used the same tactic. And we keep being blind to him. He wants to come in and he first of all wants to find out what do you really know about the commandment of God? And she got parts of it wrong. He knew what it was, but she got parts of it wrong. So he knew we can exploit this. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you shall be as God knowing both good and evil. What he did was he corrupted the command of God and then proceeded to corrupt the purpose for which God gave the command. And if you are not up on the command of God and the purpose for which God gave the command, then you are a prime target for Satan to misuse this in your life. There are a lot of people who have an opinion of what tithing is, what, how tithing should be carried out, and what God will do for those who tithe. But unfortunately, it's not all founded in the Word of God because the command has been corrupted and the purpose has been corrupted because that's what the enemy does. He corrupts. And so people have pursued a corrupt command and a corrupt purpose and thereby did not get the results that they wanted. Have you ever used something at home for a purpose other than it was intended? It looks like it should work. <laughs> I don't have what I need. I'll use this instead. And what happens? It doesn't quite work as, as well. There's a, there's a purpose. You ever been uh, try to do any painting at home? You know, there's uh, different kinds of brushes. There are natural brushes, and there are synthetic brushes. If you are not aware that there are two different types of brushes, and you just grab, well, a brush is a brush, right? You take a brush, and you dip it into paint. No, you'll find out that a natural brush has certain purposes, and a synthetic brush has certain purposes. If you take a synthetic brush and use it where a natural brush was intended, you will not have good results. If you take a natural brush and use it where synthetic was intended, you will not have good results. How many of you are right now saying, what? How many have no idea? There's, there's different brushes? There's different kinds? Yes. And there's different kinds of paint. All paint is not paint. There's different kinds. If you use the wrong brush in the wrong can of paint, you will have a problem. You have a, you have a problem. If you want to do plumbing in your house, how many of y'all know there's many different kinds of pipe? 
There's copper pipe, there's iron pipe, there's PVC pipe, there's all kinds of pipe. You use the wrong pipe for the wrong application, and it may work today, <laughs> but it probably won't work forever. If you are an electrician, there is 12-3 wire, there is 12-2 wire, there is 16-gauge wire, there is 14-gauge wire, there is 10-gauge wire. You use the wrong gauge wire in the wrong application, you're going to have some problems. You go out to the store and you buy a, a uh, plug. There are different kinds of plugs. You put the wrong plug in the wrong application, you won't pass inspection. There's different purposes. We need to understand what the purpose God has for tithing and the blessing that he says. We need to find out what he says because too often we have heard what others have said and we follow it after what they have done. So here's the purpose of tithing. Num Numbers 18, verse 20. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout their generations that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance for the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord. I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you, from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. Then you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the children of Israel. And you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. What he's saying is this. All of the tithes in the land of Israel were to come into the tabernacle and they were for the support of the Levites, the priest, and the building. That's what they were for. The Levites, when they received this tithe, what were they to do with it? Tithe it as well. They were not exempted from the tithe. They also needed to take what they received and tithe it. So this was a group of people that were going to get no land. They were going to get no inheritance. God said, I'm your inheritance, and this is what you're going to have. Since you're not going to have any land to farm, this is what we're going to do. But I want you to be involved in the upkeep of the tabernacle, in the teaching for the children of Israel, and so forth. That was their, their purpose. They were to minister to the Lord on behalf of the people. Because he said, if the people do it, I'll kill them. That's what he's basically saying. Uh, no, you're the wrong ones. Way back in the mountain, you, this is the one I picked. This is the one who stood by me. This is the one who said, we serve the Lord. And I said, from that point on, they would be the, 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 the Levites. They would be the priests. They would be the folks who would perform the services before the Lord. If any of the rest of you do, you will die. But those services needed to go on before the Lord. And so the Levites would do that. That's how God set it up. Now, this is a whole, we're going to take on this whole chapter here. Second Chronicles chapter 31. Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke the sacred pillars in pieces, cut down the wooden images because they had gotten into false worship. 
and threw down the high places and the altars from, the, from Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, until they had utterly destroyed them all. Then all the children of Israel returned to their own cities, every man to his possession. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and Levites according to their divisions. Each man according to his service, the priests, the Levites, for burnt offerings and peace offerings to the serve, to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for the burnt offerings, for the morning and evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings for the Sabbath, the new moons, and the set feasts, and as it is written in the law of the Lord. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. What is the purpose for them bringing the offerings to the Levites? That they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance in the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field, they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps. There was so much of it, they just took it all and threw it in these big heaps and brought it there. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. Four months of building up heaps of tithes. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Hezekiah questioned the priests and Levites concerning the heaps. Then Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. He said, man, we've been, we've been eating fine. We've had plenty of stuff, and there's still heaps left. Great abundance. Now Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them. Then they faithfully brought in the offerings, the tithes, the dedicated things. Coroniah the Levite had charge of them, and Shemaiah, his brother, was next. Jehiel, Azariah, Az, I'm sorry, Azaziah, Nahath, Asheel, Jeremoth, Jazadad, Eliah, Ishmachai, Mahath, Benaniah, were overseers under the hand of Conaniah, Shemaiah, his brother, and the commandment of Hezekiah, the king of Azariah, the ruler of the house of God. Kor, the son of Imna, the Levite, keeper of the east gate, was over the freewill offerings to God to distribute the offerings of the Lord and the most holy things. And under him were Eden, Minayim, Jeshua, Shemaiah, Amariah, Shokaniah, his faithful assistants in the cities of the priests to distribute allotments to their brethren by divisions to the great as well as the small, beside those males from three years old and up who were written in a gene genealogy, they distributed to everyone who entered the house of the Lord his daily portion for the work, his service, and by his division. And to the priests who were written in the genealogy according to their faithful house, and to the Levites from 20 years old and up according to their work, by their divisions, and to all who were written in the genealogy, their little ones and their wives, their sons, their daughters, a whole company of them, for in their faithfulness they sanctified themselves in holiness. That's quite a list of people who were involved just in taking care of the stuff, making sure that things were done. 
Also for the sons of Aaron, the priests who were in the fields of the common lands of their cities. In every single city, there were men who were designated by name to distribute portions to all the males among the priests and to all who were listed by genealogies among the Levites. This, thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah. He did what was good and right and true before who? The Lord his God, not in the eyes of men. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. So he prospered. How did he prosper? And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. So he prospered. He set out to get rid of the false worship, to bring back the true worship, and to get the people to bring their tithes into the storehouse so the Levites would be supported and could be dedicating themselves to the work of God. All right, another scripture, Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah is phenomenal in this. You can just sit back there and read the whole book on it. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruits and all trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of all sons and our cattle, and as it is written in the law, the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priest who ministered in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to the priest to the storerooms of the house of our God and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites. To who? For the Levites shall receive the tithes in all our farming communities and the priests and the descendants of Aaron shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes and Levites shall... Bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offerings of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are who will not neglect the house of our God. The people who ministered in the house of God, David started this, are not just Levites. They are not just priests. They are not just the sons of Aaron. David began to bring in singers and praisers so that there were full-time praise and worship going on in the house of God. And you know how he did it? He supported them with the monies that came in to the temple. They were paid staff, paid to be worshipers in the house of God. So in the house of God under the time of David and those who followed the ways of David afterwards, in the house of God, you had Levites, you had priests, you had the high priest, the sons of Aaron, you had singers, you had praisers, you had people who tended to the house of God. All of them were being paid by what came in on the tithes to take care of the house of God. What happened to Israel during the days of David? They prospered. They had silver and gold and bronze. Bronze was so common in Israel, or, or I'm sorry, brass was so common in Israel, it was not even considered a valuable metal. Silver was extremely common, hardly seen as valuable. Gold was still valuable, but they had a lot of it. They had so much gold that they began to cover stuff with gold. They covered shields with gold. They made shields out of gold for no other purpose than to come out and worship God. They covered things that were once wood, covered them with gold. They just covered all kinds of stuff with gold. Put gold all over. Why? Because they had a whole lot of it. 
How did they get to that place? If the people are bringing the tithes, and out of the tithes is where they're getting the abundance of the gold, the silver, and so forth, then what's going on with the people? They are prospering. David led Israel to their most prosperous prosperous time. They owned more land. They had more nations subservient to them, paying them tribute money. They had conquered every enemy under David. And the priority for David was, let's get the house of God in order. Let's make sure them Levites are taken care of. Let's make sure them priests are taken care of. Let's, let's bring in some other ones. Let's bring in some singers. Hey, they had the house of, going, the house of God going all the time. Something was going on in the house of God. That's what they did. And others picked that up. Not all of them did. Some of them let it go. When they let it go, what happened to Israel's prosperity? As the house of God went down, what happened to the house of Israel? It went down as well. But they didn't see the correlation to that, did they? In Numbers 12, verse 44, at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse of the offering and the first fruits and the tithes to gather into them from the fields of the cities and the portions specified by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered, both the singers and the gatekeepers, kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification, according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. Solomon continued it. For in the days of David and Asaph, of old there were chiefs of singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel, in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. So the whole people were behind us. This is great. Oh, we love having singers in the house of God. We love having praisers. We have, love having music in the house of God. We love having the Levites over there taking care of things, studying the word of God, bringing us the teaching as we needed it. In, in chapter 13, verse 10, I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them for each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back into his field. They weren't being paid, so they had to get some money, so they went back into the field to work and he comes on by and says it's uh, what happened to the singing what happened to the praising so i contended with the rulers and said why is the house of god forsaken and i gathered them together and set them in their place and all judah brought the tithe of the grain the new wine and the oil to the to the what to the storehouse and i appointed all treasures over the storehouse shalemiah the priest of zadok the scribe and levites pedadiah and next to them was hanan the son of zakur the son of Mataniah, for they were considered faithful and their task was to distribute to their brethren. All right, a lot of scriptures. You can go back through and reread some of these things if you want to. But this is where this whole concept is being talked about. This is where we are to take the pattern from. I put this in your outline because I want you to get this. Out of ignorance, many Christians repurpose their tithes. Now, do not raise your hand on this. Use your inside hand if you want to raise your hand at all. Don't use your outside hand. How many times have you or have you heard of someone who in the bringing of their tithes before God designated for a purpose? Well, I'm bringing my tithe in. Let's say that your tithe for, the, for that week, let's just say it was $50. 
Well, I'm bringing in $50 a tithe. Wonder what we should use that for. Maybe, you know, um, well, we'll put $10 to the building. And we'll put $10 to the pastor. And we'll put $20 to mission. What have you done? You repurposed the tithe. What What are you basically doing? You are doing what is right in your own eyes. Now, all along, you know, I've given to God since I was young. Since I first had a job, I have tithed before God. And I've messed up once. I misdid some stuff in the area of tithing. Fortunately, this was not one of them. When I brought my tithe, I brought my tithe. I just said, tithe, there it is. Just put it right in there. Brought it to the storehouse. Do with it as you need to. Because, you know, when money comes into the storehouse, let's just take a, a look at this one. What happens to the monies that come in from the tithe here? Well, we pay the rent. We pay the electric bill. We pay the you know, heat and air conditioning. We pay for all the things in the, the regular church maintenance. We pay for all the different fees that the township wants to have. We pay for the, uh, the things that they want us to have. They want us to have certain things going on in order for us to have a meeting here. We have to pay fees for those things uh, just, just along those lines. We pay a fee just to have uh, the services put up on the Internet. That costs money. You used to buy CDs. We don't sell CDs hardly at, at all anymore. What you get is for free, you download them on the internet, but that costs money. We've got to have that service. Not just time, but it's also that service. There's equipment that has to be done. There's all sorts of things that have to go on. Where does that money come from? We have an air conditioner that broke down in the children's church. And you, you can see from the, that some folks have designated some money. We've gotten about... Uh, 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 something like a quarter or a third of it from, from that. Where's the rest of that money going to come from? It's going to come from tithes and offerings, isn't it? The things that are expenses of the church being here and us having a church and us having a place to meet, where's that come from? It comes from your tithes. Just like any other church. It comes from the tithes. But you see, a lot of people, when they, when they bring in their tithes, well, I, I want to see that it's going to something. And so they, they designate it. If you ever, I don't even care if you do this, if you designate it for the pastor, you're wrong, and don't do it. Don't do it. If you're bringing tithe money into the house of God, it's just tithe. Don't do it. Don't, don't designate it. Don't designate it for me. Don't designate it for anyone else. Don't do it. It'll mess you up. It won't help you. Don't repurpose the tithe. We spent a lot of time reading a lot of scriptures. We don't usually read that many scriptures. We usually get into one area of scripture and, and, and stay in there. But I want you to see this concept is all through it. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. It goes to support the house of God, the people that are in the house of God. Now, God's purpose was this. God purposed that the Levites would serve the entire nation of Israel. That's one tribe out of 12. If you just broke it down evenly, and I know the tribes don't break down quite evenly, but if you just broke it down evenly, that's basically one minister per every 11 people. That's pretty good numbers, isn't it? We don't do that anymore, do we? Because we've changed things. We've altered it. We've, we've gotten away from the purpose. And we don't, we don't have all that. Other things that people have, have done, not so much here in, in this church, but other churches, You'll, you'll find out that people say, well, you know, the, the pastor, what's the pastor supposed to do? Well, when somebody gets sick, he's supposed to go to the hospital. If somebody doesn't show up on Sunday, he's supposed to go see them. Right? 
That's wrong. You, uh, we read a whole lot of scriptures, not one thing about any of those Levites doing any visiting. What are they supposed to do? Get into the law of God, prepare themselves, get themselves ready to minister to the people of Israel. In the New Testament, when the disciples were meeting together and they had a dispute about the monies that were being distributed to the widows, what did they say? It's not right for us to leave the word of God and wait tables. That concept was still going on there. But you see, not so much in this church. I'm not saying this one. I'm not talking to you guys. But in other churches, you go into the church and you listen to the preacher who's teaching the message. There's no word in it. There's no food in it. Why? Because all week long, he's running from house to house, calling people, listening to people's sob stories, visiting different hospitals. And he finally gets down to where he can dig into the word of God and have something ready for them to munch on on Sunday, and he's got nothing left. He's not serving the people. You see, if the devil can corrupt the command and corrupt the purpose, what happens to the outcome? And so you have a whole bunch of churches that have a lot of people who don't know the word of God. And the people are the ones who are supposed to go out into the world and be the light. What kind of light are they being? They can't be a light if the light hasn't been put in them. So they don't go out and they don't be a light. So that purpose is gone. Simply because Satan gets in, corrupts the command, corrupts the purpose. And the end result is not what God intended. The purpose, and we have always followed that here. And I just love the way that you all, all push for it. The, my main purpose, my number one overriding purpose is to make sure I equip you with the word of God. There is no other higher calling that I have than to make sure that I equip you with the word of God. And so everything that we do is focused with that number one purpose. We teach on Sundays. We teach on Wednesdays. What do we teach? We dig into the word of God somewhere. If you can't make it here, we put it up on the internet so you can hear it for free. Just so you can get it. If, if you don't have the internet, we have CDs. We have uh, other, other vehicles that you can get. And, uh, and we, we give you outlines because we want you to have the Word of God at your disposal so that when God brings people along your path, what are you able to do? Minister to them. Give them the Word of God. When problems come up in your life, who do you call? The, you call on the Word of God that is in you. You're not trained to, oh, I need to find somebody. No, I got the word of God in me. I can call on that word of God. And that's what you do. That's what the purpose is. That's what God's purpose is. But if you take your tithes and you allow Satan to get you to repurpose it, you are messing it up for your life. So I put this in there. Is this honoring to God? If the purpose of us giving is to honor the Lord with our increase, are we honoring God? Put this in your outline too. If you want tithing to bring its declared reward to us, we need to operate within its stated purpose. The reward of tithing is when you bring the in, do you bring the 10th part of what God has brought into your life as income? whether it be seed, whether it be fruits off of a tree, whatever it might, might be, you take that 10th part and you bring it to God. What does God do from there? Increase. We serve a God of increase. God is always increasing. 
He is going to make what comes next greater. That's what he says he'll do. That's his purpose. But if we want tithing to bring its declared reward to us, we need to operate within its stated purpose. Don't alter it. Don't change it. What it does, it does well. It does real, real well. To recommission our tithe is to remove it from its work. Don't, re- don't recommission your tithe. Don't do it. If it's a tithe, it's brought into the storehouse. That's why every day in the offering, we've commissioned the guys who, who got up here and to, and to teach us on offering. We told them, make sure you tell every single week, whether we have new people in here or not, make sure you say for new people, be faithful to give where you go. That's important for us because that's where they're tithing. We're glad that they came. Glad to have you visit. Glory to God. But give where you go to. That's what you are to do. But there's people out there. They, I've heard them. No one here. No, we're talking about people in other churches in other countries. <laughs> Not around here. Nowhere near here. But I've heard them. And they'll, they'll say, well, I don't get fed where I go to church. So I go there, but I send my offering to this. And I send my offering to this. I send my tithe over here. That's wrong. You have recommissioned your tithe. How can it accomplish the purpose for which it's supposed to? Can't do it. Don't recommission it. Take a look at the reward here. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me, but you say, in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. They are different. Bring all the tithes, where? Bring a portion of the tithes into the storehouse. Designate the rest for what you want. What's it say? (laughs) Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. If you are going to get the thing to work, you got to do what the manufacturer said. (laughs) You can call up the technical support people and one of the first questions they say to you is, did you plug it in? Easy stuff. Why? Because people are missing it on the basic things. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and try me now on this, says the Lord of of hosts. That there may be food where? In your house? His house. Food in his house, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. How many of you would like to get a blessing so big you cannot receive it? This is all right. This is good. This is what we came here today for, Pastor. That's right. This This is what we want. (laughs) <laughs> all that other stuff well that's alright but this, this is what we came for this is what we want open up those windows pour out for you blessings there will not be enough room to receive it and that's an end and along with that that'll come and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. That tells us 
that the devourer would like to destroy the fruit of your ground even though you are a tither. He would like to rebuke the reward of your ground. He'd like to come in there and get it. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit with you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is where they got most of their stuff from. So that's what he's talking to them about. But if you want to put this in, in a modern vernacular, God will bless you on your job when other people are not being blessed. Employers will see that the work of your hand is prospered more so than the work of others. Thereby, they put more into your hand. Think of the life of Joseph. Joseph, whatever the, the owner of the house, whatever Potiphar put in his hand, he saw, you know what? Every, I give this one to Sam. I give this one to George. I give this one to Joseph. And wow, maybe if I take this from Sam and give it to Joseph, what happens? Oh, wow, look at it increased. Sam, we don't need you anymore. Get out of here. George, I'm going to take that from you. I'm going to give it to Joseph. Wow, look at how that increased. George, we don't need you around here anymore. We just need Joseph. We, we don't need you. We don't need Sam. We just need Joseph. Because everything I put in his hand prospers. Therefore, if you are a smart employer, what do you do? You put more in Joseph's hands. You've got to have the mentality at your work, whatever the boss puts in my hands prospers. God will give me understanding. God will give me wisdom. God will give me help. I will be able to do things with what they put in my hands. It will go better than what is in others. Why? Because I'm a tither. And God says he will open up the storehouse. He will open up the windows. He will pour out onto me blessings. And he will rebuke the devourer. That means not only the devourer of my stuff, but also my boss's stuff in my hand. Think of this. Jacob, when he watched over Laban, Laban a good guy? Laban's not a good guy. Jacob watched over his stuff. What is one of the things that Jacob said to Laban before he left? You haven't lost any of your stuff. Under my care, you haven't lost any of your stuff. Why? Because the wolves didn't come? No, it's not why. Go back to the story and find out why. And Laban just knew, boy, if I put stuff under these, it just, it just goes. We've got to find a way to keep this boy around. Things just are, are going. This verse this verses that does not mean the devourer will not try to come by. It means when he does come by, the Lord will rebuke him. If you see the enemy coming in trying to devour what is in your hands, you simply say, the Lord has rebuked you. You cannot come near here because I am a tither. I sow according to the commands and purpose of God. I bring my tithes according to the commands and the purpose of God. You have no right here. You cannot be here. The Lord has rebuked you. You can say that. Michael said that when he was battling Lucifer over the body of Satan. What does he say to him? The Lord rebuke you. Now, here's the thing. We've got to keep our attitude in line. Don't let your attitude get out of line. You've got to keep your attitude in line. If you let your attitude get messed up, even though you're a tither, you can, you can hurt yourself. I'm going to show you a scripture on this. You ready? 
Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. This is the parable that Jesus did. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Two men. These are, he picks these two guys. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this as this tax collector. Imagine being up there at the altar and having the attitude on the inside of you that you're up there before God. Oh, God, I thank you that I am not like others. I'm not like the extortioners. I'm not like the unjust. I'm not like the adulterers or even this guy. <laughs> and he's not praying quietly. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Is he a tither? And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Even if you are a tither, if you let some of these other major principles go in your life, you will hinder your prosperity. This man was a tither, but he was stuck on himself. He was high on himself. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself, don't do it. Don't exalt yourself above others. In your own mind, in your own words, don't do it. Don't exalt yourself above others. You want another parable from Jesus? He said, when you go into the places and they invite you over for dinner, don't sit in the exalted seats. Sit in the lesser ones. Let others come and exalt you. If you exalt yourself, someone else is going to come more honorable than you, and they're going to say, hey, we need to move you to the other seats. Here's the first law of increase. The first law of increase is basically just this. Honor the Lord, period. But you honor the Lord with different things. You honor the Lord with different things. In this particular one, we're looking at honoring the Lord with your tithe. Honor the Lord with your tithe in its amount. If you are going to honor the Lord with your tithe, what should the amount be? What he says. That's honoring. Honor the Lord with your tithe in its purpose. Don't redesignate a tithe. A tithe is a tithe. Don't redesignate it. You are not honoring the Lord. Who are you honoring? Me. I want it to be used this way. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't change the amount from what God says. Don't change his purpose. Number three, believe in its reward. That's important. Believe in its reward. How do you believe in the reward of the tithe? Simple. If something comes against you to pull you in a different direction other than the stated purpose in the word of God, believe what God said. What did God say? 
I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out to you blessings so much that you cannot contain it. You need to just go over that again. I, be I believe that's what you're going to do for me, God. I thank you that's what you're going to do for me. You are going to pour out. You're going to open up. <laughs> you're going to do good things. Believe it. Now, you go through life, you're going to have instances where circumstance, what's going on around you is going to tell you something different. What do you need to do about that? Believe what the Word of God said. Believe what the Word of God said. Just believe it. Father God, I got other things coming in my life right now trying to tell me I will not be blessed the way that you said I would be blessed. But I choose to believe your word because your word says, I will do this. So Father, I thank you that you're doing this. I'm not going to get nervous, scared, upset. I'm going to trust in you. God will do it. God will do it. How many times in the Old Testament was a smaller force pitted against a greater force? How many times? Israel at the Red Sea. Oh, man, so many times. Hezekiah in his battle. David, with many of his battles, was outnumbered. Didn't matter to God. How about Gideon? Oh, you know what, Gideon? You got too many people. You need to get rid of some. Do this. You still got too many people. You need to get rid of some. <laughs> too many? They have multitudes. I got like 600. Yeah, it's too many. Get rid of a few more. All right. I'm down to 200. All right, that's good. We can do it. We can work at 200. Abraham goes in the battle against five kings with how many trained fighting men? None. <laughs> he went in with servants. Went in with servants. God does great when he's outnumbered. He does great. Don't ever look at your finances and say, but my finances are outnumbered by my bills. Because God says, this is, this is where I flourish. <laughs> this is where I do good. Just let me believe, believe in the reward. You honor the Lord in many things. You don't just honor the Lord with your tithe. But that is one thing that we are to do. Honor the Lord with your tithe. We need to do the things that God has, has told us to do. We need to honor him. But you honor him in other areas as well. I wrote a couple of them down. I wanted to make sure I pulled them out for you. How many of you have a gift for God? How many of God has given you a gift? Something that you, unique to you. How do you honor the Lord with your gift? You use it. How do you honor the word? How do you honor the Lord with the word of God that you receive? You do it. If you receive revelation, if you receive the word of God, do it. Do whatever he says. That's how you honor him with it. You honor him with your income by tithing it. You honor him with your finances by sowing it. We're, going to, we're still going to get into the area of sowing. We haven't touched that one yet. Mentioned it last week. We're going to get into the area of sowing. Sowing is different from tithing. We're just on tithing. Sowing, you designate. You don't just sow like you tithe. Tithe is not designated. Tithing is brought. Offerings are sowed. 
And they are sowed for a purpose. They are stated. See, too often we have taken things from the offering. We've mixed it in with the tithing. We wonder why it's got all messed up. The tithe you bring to the storehouse, but you sow specifically. That's where you're going to sow to a, to a need, to a thing, to a person. God's going to say some things to you. You're going to, we're going to open up in the Word of God. They're going to open up, we're going to open up some things for you for sowing that you may not have even realized. And you do not just have to sow money, but you can. You can sow money and you can sow other stuff. We're going to look at the different things that are there for you to sow. If you sow whatever you sow, you will you will reap. You will reap. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the harvest because harvest does not just come to you. You don't just go out on Monday and sow and a few months later open the doors and all the harvest walks in. Anybody know that happens? No, what happens? You've got to go out and harvest it. You've got to go out there and reap it. If you harvest it too soon, what happens? If you harvest it too late, what happens? So what do you have to have? An eye for the harvest. You've got to know when the harvest is ripe. Has Jesus ever said anything to us about recognizing when the harvest is ripe? He has, hasn't he? Yeah. He's speaking to us on this. Too often, people don't know how to recognize when a harvest is ripe. And that's why we're not reaping what we're supposed to be reaping. But we'll get into the Word of God. We're going to dig into these things. We just need to lay the foundation for tithe. If you do not tithe, you cannot sow. Can't do it. If you do not tithe, you cannot sow. If you only tithe, you can be blessed. You can be blessed just on tithing. Thank God. God will bless you just because you tithe. But as you increase, you are then able to have seed to sow. Didn't we get a promise in the Word of God that He will give seed to the sower? You know what the problem is with people who haven't received their seed? They aren't sowers. He doesn't give seed to the reapers. He gives seed to the sowers. In order to receive seed, you must first be. So how do you become a sower without seed? Anybody want the answer to that one? We'll get into that. (laughs) Because next week we're going to be on sowing. But these are important principles. I hope you're learning some stuff out of this. Because we, we, we want this to, we want your finances to be unlocked. We want you to be helped out. A mistake that we made out of ignorance, and I, told, I alluded to it last time, I just didn't tell it to you the, the details on it, but a mistake that we made was we decided to tithe off of what we received or what we wanted to receive. That was our error. I didn't know enough. A tithe is 10% of what we brought in. What goes over that is seed. So we were sowing, but didn't know we were sowing and saw it as tithing. We messed up the purpose. 
we messed it up. God blessed us anyway. We got, we got a blessing, but probably not like we should have. Because since we were not realizing we were sowing, we weren't looking to be reaping. Messed it up. It's all right. We learn from the Word of God. And we, we get a hold of that. Your tithe is set. This is your tithe. This is what God says is the tithe. Do that. Anything over that? It's not tithing anymore. It is. It's sowing. Because you, give, you tithe, you give back what is God's. You sow what is yours. The 90% that remains is yours. You can do with it as you want to. We're going to look at principles on, on sowing. I hope this has helped you. Y'all stand up. We have one prayer request as we are closing up for today and then your praise reports we're going to get to. If you haven't turned them in, get them over to the usher. Bring them on up here. We want to, we want to have those. Susan has asked for wisdom and strength for her new position. She's going full-time over to the place where she's working at. And in that position, she wants wisdom. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You have clearly taught us in your word about tithing, about bringing offerings, about sowing, about reaping. For some of it, we remained ignorant of it. I haven't really pursued it the way that we should. We're not seeing the harvest that we need to see. Father, you desire that we have a harvest. You desire that we reap. So, Father, we want to get a better understanding of what tithing and sowing, how this impacts our life. Because you have not desired that we be in poverty. You have desired that we be redeemed from it. Father, we thank you for it. You want us to be in a position to help others and not always needing to be helped. We thank you for the blessings that you bring to us. That the understanding that we get from your word is growing. You're opening up our eyes to see things that we have held on to that are man's traditions and not your purpose, not your commands. Thank you for the help that you give us in that. Thank you, too, for the wisdom that you give Susan and the things that she does in this new job. Whatever is put in her hand will be caused to prosper because she will seek after you on it. And she will excel above all those that are around her. Not because you don't like them, simply because she opens the door for you to bless through her hands. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let's see some of the, let's hear some of those praise reports that we got. If you didn't fill one out, you have some time. You can fill it out here in the moments that are going on. But, oh, they're important. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. Amen. Vanessa's praise report says, God gave me favor with my supervisors to allow me to work a flexible schedule so that she can take her father to his doctor appointments. Nicole is thanking God for a great week and providing quick recovery to her sister um, after having her appendix removed this week. Um, I received a good report from the doctor this week. Um, and actually, uh, well, received a good report. <laughs> um, and then this too is from, just from me to them, blessed to have an extended family that loves and blesses my family um, without measure. Uh, Corey said he received a very healthy monthly bonus this week. Hey. Praise God. He just started there. Yeah. <laughs> good news. Good news. And Ray says God has granted him an entire week without a death occurring on his shift. Praise God. <laughs> um, Daryl said after completing my first full week on the job, I was finally able to complete my route on time. God enabled me to finish over two hours sooner than he had, had previously. Hmm. That's good. Amen. And then, Susan, we're praising God for your full-time job. 
plus benefits. Those, be those benefits are a big deal. Des says, I had a very big task to accomplish a few weeks ago on the job, but could not find the time to do so. I asked God to help me yesterday, and in a matter of hours, I was able to get it done. Praise God. God gives us great organizational skills. Hallelujah. I could use some of this. <laughs> Um, and then another one from Vanessa. God gave me an opportunity to pray and lay hands on a friend who was in ICU on Friday. Praise hey. God. Praise God. That's good. Any others? 